listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel on this November the 25th in the year of our Lord 2020. Even though it's the day before Thanksgiving, I'm preaching at three congregations, or four actually, tonight on Thanksgiving. And we're looking forward to that. And we're also going to be talking about a little Thanksgiving that we have as we examine, as we do on Wednesdays, CFW Walther's lectures to seminary students in the 1880s about law and gospel. He did over about a year on Friday nights, although this lecture is the 32nd evening lecture, and it occurred on June the 19th, 1885. But before he was done looking at Thesis 20 of his lectures, his wife passed away. And when she died, of course, it was also the end of the school year, so the lectures did not cont continue until the following September. Her name was Amelia Walther and died before he completed this particular thesis. So you can understand the thankfulness he has for knowing that she believed the gospel and heaven was her home. Prior to getting into Thesis 20, as is his custom, he gives a little bit of an introduction. And this introduction is to talk about, well, what is the problem in the Lutheran Church? And we find out that the problem is what? It is rationalism. In fact, that's the reason that the Lutherans left Europe due to rationalism. What's rationalism? It's using your reason to take a look at Scripture. And not Scripture interprets Scripture, but man interpreting scripture. Walter mentions in the last quarter of the 18th century, rationalism descended on the Protestant church with the force of a hurricane. Now, a lot of people then began to believe it doesn't matter what religion you are, as long as you are sincere. But there was a remnant, Walter says, of sincere Christians, and these few Christians who still believed in justification by faith through Jesus Christ extended to one another the right hand of brotherly fellowship. And so while they saw a number of their fellow passengers go down to a watery grave and embrace the rationalism many of them embraced each other with tears of joy, even though they had previously been total strangers. Now, in rationalism, people thought the time had come to let fall the barriers that distinguished the denominations from one another, because they considered them like toll gates along a highway that seemed to prevent progress. It's kind of interesting that those people doing that today are called progressives because they think that's how they're doing progress. 
And so it looked like the Protestant church would be totally drowned in the waters of rationalism. But in 1817, a man named Klaus Harms that Walter describes of having at least a few drops of Lutheran blood still flowed. And he wrote 95 theses against rationalism. And he said, you are proposing to make the poor handmaiden, the Lutheran church, rich by a marriage. And the marriage was with congregations that were rationalistic and did not follow the scripture. He continued, do not carry this out over Luther's dead body. He will come back to life and then woe to you. And that's kind of what happened. When the Union Church, and that was the forced church between Lutherans and Reform, was put into effect in Prussia, many Lutherans awoke from their spiritual sleep. Remember that they belonged to the Lutheran Church. Unfortunately, there were some things that happened even among those who woke up. They went to one extreme from the other extreme of rationalism. And that's what the thesis is going to be talking about. They held, some of them, that the Lutheran church is the church par excellence, the church in the most exalted and proper sense. In fact, some of them were teaching that the church is a Lutheran church outside of which there is no salvation. And Luther concludes his introduction by saying, this was a shameful confusion, mingling of law and gospel. And so he then goes ahead and talks about Thesis 20. You are not rightly distinguishing law and gospel in the word of God if a person's salvation is made to depend on his association with the visible Orthodox Church. And if you claim that salvation is denied to every person erring in any article of faith. Now, theology is the art of making distinctions. And the two distinctions that Walther is steering a course between is that of unionism and sectarianism. Unionism errs by claiming that Protestants are all basically the same. In fact, it turns into a kind of a universalism, which is a belief that all paths to God are basically the same. In contrast to sectarianism, claims that only the people in a particular organization will be saved. And of course, this contradicts the Bible and the fact that God does call people out of all groups by the action of the Holy Spirit through the means of grace. In other words, you don't have to be Lutheran in order to be saved. You can be a Roman Catholic, a Methodist, a Baptist, because many of them do hear 
that Jesus Christ died for their sins and their sins have been forgiven. So he talks about how people stumbled into this false belief because every error bears much fruit. That's really good. Like if you insist that somebody has to make a decision for Jesus Christ, that, that's a terrible error because no unbeliever can do that. Then, of course, you ignore infant baptism because infants can't make a decision. See, in this way, heirs bear much fruit. Many branches grow out of a particular area. If you don't believe that, it's the true body and blood of Jesus Christ in, with, and under the bread and wine at the Lord's Supper, then you will say it's only symbolic or that the humanity of Jesus is only in heaven, no longer on earth. So you get one false teaching, and to back it up, it has to lead to many others. Now, the mother of this terrible false teaching of unionism, namely that all Protestants are basically the same, this is the doctrine that the church is a visible institution that Christ established here on earth. Hardly different than, say, a religious state of government. In other words, the word church can mean a number of items. People say, I'm going to church. That means they're going to a worship service. Or our church is at such and such an address. The word church there is referring to a building. Or our church is going to go to a movie. Well, that would refer to the people. The fact is, is the church is primarily different than a visible institution. As Jesus says to Peter, Walter quotes, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is talking about the rock being himself. And built on Christ doesn't mean connecting yourself mechanically with some institution that is church, but placing your confidence in Christ and knowing that you have received righteousness and salvation from him alone. Therefore, any person with a living faith is a member of the church, even if they're not affiliated with any Christian denomination. In fact, they can be a Muslim. There are Muslims who read the Bible and come to faith in Jesus Christ. They may not confess it publicly, but who knows who is a Christian and who is not. Remember, Christ is called the head of the congregation. So if someone does not have a spiritual connection with Christ, Christ is not his head. Another metaphor Walter brings up is the church is called the body of Christ. 
This has motivated many of even the most faithful Lutherans to say, since a body is visible, the church too must be visible. But that's a wrong point of exegesis, he says. Exegesis is interpretation of particular phrases and verses in the Bible. And we also hear another metaphor. Christ calls the church his flock. Therefore, being a member of the flock means that you believe in Jesus Christ. Christ talks about the field is my kingdom. No, he doesn't say that. He says the field is the world. In fact, the confessions of the Lutheran Church emphasize that fact. The Savior compares his church to a field in which weeds grow among the wheat, to a net in which good and bad fish are caught, to a marriage feast that foolish virgins join along with wise virgins, and to another parable, people can even gain entrance even though they are not dressed in the proper wedding garment. Now, although the true church is composed only of good sheep, only of reborn persons, the church never appears in the form of a congregation that is made up only of true Christians. Because the church, a congregation, can never purge itself of the hypocrites that ungodly persons worm their way into. So we must see people going to church, but we cannot see whether they belong to the church because the church is visible to the eyes of God alone. In human eyes, who belongs to the church is invisible. Now, there was no doubt the papists defended the false doctrine that Walter's talking about, that you need to belong to the Roman Catholic Church to be part of the true church. But now he says there are even Lutherans claiming that they are the church outside of which there is no salvations. Well, what can be drawn from this sorry state of affairs is either the Pope's church is the true church or the true church had stopped existing before Luther came. But scripture says the true church never stops existing. So even before Luther and the Lutherans came on the scene, the church was still there. When you make a person's salvation dependent on membership in the visible Orthodox Church and communion with the visible Orthodox Church, you're really overthrowing the doctrine of justification by faith. Right now, I have students going through adult instruction class. They are not Lutheran. They haven't joined the church. They're being instructed in Lutheran theology. And I would say that they are Christians. How can I say that if they're not a member of the Lutheran Church? Because you don't need to be a member of the Lutheran Church to be a Christian. They believe in salvation by grace 
through faith on account of Jesus. And they are learning more and more that their works simply don't count. Therefore, it's a shameful, fanatical idea that the Lutheran church is the only church that saves. Because the true church made up of believing Christians is found in all sects, in all denominations. Therefore, the church is really an invisible community, at least from the point of view of a Christian. False Christians and hypocrites are also called members of the congregation, even though in reality, from God's point of view, they are not members of the Holy Christian Church. And why is that? Because we cannot look into their hearts. Only God can. We do not judge, except when they are obviously ungodly persons and unrepentant of their sins. It's an awful mistake to claim that people can be saved only by joining the Lutheran Church. There are still Christians, Walter says, in the Reformed Church, among the Papists, and even among the Methodists. He talks about the Roman Catholic Church, quote, they still confess that Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross to redeem the world. That truth is enough to bring a person to the knowledge of salvation. So when we talk about the Antichrist, we are not referring to members of the Roman Catholic Church that may be true Christians because they believe the Bible. We're talking about the teachings of the papacy and the councils like the Council of Trent that says if you believe in justification by grace through faith, you're anathema. That means you're sent to hell. That's idolatry. That is the Antichrist of the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, we could even go so far to say that part of the Antichrist would be Lutherans who say that unless you're a member of the Lutheran Church, you cannot be saved. Anybody who demands additional requirements for salvation besides faith, like you need to be a member of the Lutheran Church, is mingling law and gospel. Walter says, I would leave any denomination if I discovered that it harbors errors with which I do not wish to be contaminated. But just because people may be saved in other religious organizations does not mean that it follows that we can remain in communion with those other religious organizations. Why? Well, he says, I remember when I became a believer. I joined the Union Church. That was the Lutheran Reformed together. And some people approached me with the intention of bringing me into the Lutheran Church. But I told them I was already a believer and did not want to belong to a church that claimed to be the only church that saved. Later, though, he found good writings, probably from Luther, that show me that this is not true after all. The Lutheran Church does claim to be the only church that has pure doctrine, 
but it does not claim to be the only church that saves. That was a problem, not only during the time of Luther and during the time of Walther, but also some today believe that if you're not a member of the Lutheran church, you cannot be saved. The Lutheran confessions talk about it in this way. So it is not at all our plan and purpose to condemn people who err because of a certain simplicity of mind, but are not blasphemers against the truth of the heavenly doctrine. Much less indeed do we intend to condemn entire churches that are either under the Roman Empire of the German nation or elsewhere. It has been our intention and desire to openly criticize and condemn the fanatical opinions and their stubborn and blasphemous teachers. teachers. For we have no doubt whatsoever that even in those churches that have not agreed with us in all things, many godly and by no means wicked people are found. I often say this on my radio program, that every Christian is a closet Lutheran. What do I mean by that? They really believe what Lutheranism teaches in contrast to what their denomination may teach. When I drive for Uber, a favorite question I like to ask uh, somebody, when you die and you go to heaven, who will you give all the credit to for your salvation? They always say Jesus Christ. That's Lutheran teaching. They don't say, well, I did a bunch of good works that God found favorable and therefore he saved me. Or they don't say things like, well, I made a decision for Christ and that's why I'm saved. No, they give Jesus all the credit. So this is really important that unionism teaches, it doesn't matter what religion you are, they're all going to the same place and we shouldn't be arguing over doctrinal differences. And sectarianism teaches, oh, doctrine is so important that unless you're a member of the Lutheran church, you cannot be saved. That's as much a sin as it is the other. For example, if the Pope decrees that he is infallible or that Mary was conceived without sin or that the saints must be adored, you have to accept these dogmas in the Roman Catholic Church. And they tell you, do not consult your reason. But if you fall away from the Roman Catholic Church, they say you're falling away from the true church. This is horrible bait with which they try to hook people, says Walther. Luther had already discovered that nearly every Papal teaching is on shaky ground, except for that one point that, as he says, troubled him greatly at the beginning and that kept him from becoming truly certain of the truth and being cheerful. And that point is that we are saved by grace through faith. 
So Walter is telling the seminarians, don't become entangled with this false teaching that the Lutheran church is the true visible church of Jesus Christ in the sense that you can be saved only if you're a member of this church. It is the true visible church, Walter says, but in the sense that it has pure, untainted truth. And that's why people go through adult instruction to see if what we are saying is a proper summary of the Bible. So what are you doing when you say the Lutheran church is the only true church? You're detracting from the doctrine of justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and therefore mingling law and gospel. So a week from now, we'll continue with these lectures of CFW Walther, who did not continue them until September due to the end of the school year in June and the death of his wife. And we'll be taking a look at that. Law and Gospel will have repeat broadcasts Thursday, Thanksgiving, and Friday. We will be back live, God willing, on Monday. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.